continue on in the study we're doing right now through the New Testament. We are 227 uh, studies in to our New Testament study. We're, boy, we're counting them down now because we're heading towards a home stretch. We're going to do Jude today. That'll take one, one day. And then we're going to do 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. 1 John, I think, has four or five chapters. So five weeks. 2 John and maybe two or three. And 3 John, I think, is just it. So um, we're maybe 10, 12 weeks away from the book of Revelation. And then we'll go through that. I know some of you are looking forward to that study. I love the study of Revelation. It's a great study. We'll do it a chapter at a time. And then uh, I think we'll probably get pretty close end of the year, early next year. And then we'll um, hop into the Old Testament. So, uh, and then that's 15 years, more or less. Um, and that's, uh, that'll be fun. Parts of that will be very interesting. Some of the Old Testament chapters are like, eh, what are we going to teach on? <laughs> How many guys there were in every family? Okay. So, but... We'll talk about that more today. Why do we do that? Why are we studying the scripture like this? Why do I go chapter by chapter, week after week? Context. Uh, you guys need to know the book in context. You need to know why it's there, what it means to some degree, what was, what was before it, what's after it, what were they writing about, why were they writing, when was it written, to what group of people was it written. All of that has an impact on what's being said. Um, and certainly under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It applies to today, but it applies in context. And it's very important. And that, um, again, Jude is going to be another guy who warns us about false teachers and false teachings, just like we, we just finished from Peter uh, in both First and Second Peter. You know, Peter's whole thing was the, the attack from inside the church and the attack from outside the church. And Jude is going to get busy with this whole idea too. The, the false teachers were just sort of taking their best shots at the church and um, their, their teachings weren't good and we have to, um, to this day, we still deal with the same things. If we're constantly under these, these slightly twisted teachings and, and if we don't have an idea of what the Bible says for ourselves, we can't discern what's real and what's not, what's the truth and what's not. And so it's very, very important that we take time to study the scripture. And it, as a, in the life of a believer, it needs to be a, an extremely important part of all that we do and uh, the time that we spend. And we, we, we never want to just settle back and let someone else sort of be responsible for that part of our lives and just say, listen, and take it all in without checking it against the word. I encourage you, anytime you've come to listen to me and you check everything against the Bible, all right? Because I'm just human, and I have my own biases and my own stuff that I deal with and my own filters that I process with, and, and uh, you know, um, everything needs to be checked against Scripture, everything. Now, you know, at the same time, Paul always said, too, it's good because when we, when we don't absolutely agree on everything, we can, we, can, we can put some of those things, you know, the things that are... There's some main stuff we've got to agree on, but there's some stuff that's not really main stuff, and some of that we can put up here and just allow the Spirit of God to deal with all, all of us in love, and He does. But um, we need to be checking stuff, and, and we need to, um, uh, in order to be able to do that, have an awareness of what's taking place in the Scripture. So we continually look at it, and we try and figure out, you know, why it was written, and when it was written, and who it was written to, and what was going on when it was written, so that we, we take... Um, the meaning of the letters and the, and, the, and the Gospels and the books in context of why they were written. So we're going to look at um, Jude today. It's one chapter, so it'll just be this one study, and it's, uh, it's not terribly long. There's a few main points that I kind of want to dig into today with it. Um, and so Jude, um, 
Most scholars identify the writer um, as Jude, um, who's the half-brother of Jesus. Matthew 13, 55, you want to write that down and look it up later? Um, it says, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And um, Jude is a short form of Judas. And, and probably after all of the fallout with Judas Iscariot, it was better at that point in time in history to be known as Jude. <laughs> Um, just probably made sense to uh, sort of go, oh, let's go with the short form. And, uh, and so that, that's all this happening. So, so Jude is a half-brother of Jesus. Um, and like James, who we wrote about, also the half-brother of Jesus, and both mentioned in that scripture, um, they, um, they hadn't placed their faith in Jesus while he was alive, yet after his crucifixion and resurrection, they certainly had. Um, they were leaders in the church. Um, they apparently traveled for the sake of the gospel in and of their ministry. And I say that because of a little tiny thing in 1 Corinthians 9.5 that you may never even notice before where it says in, in this verse, don't we have the right, and this is the Apostle Paul, to take a believing wife along with us as do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers and Cephas or Peter. So um, Paul's just making a point, and we've studied that book in context. I'm not taking it out of context. Paul's talking about traveling on their journeys, and that, that certainly they were um, no less than the other sort of apostles that were traveling around and should be able to do sort of the same things. And um, he was just making a point in the process. And there we have the Lord's brothers being uh, listed in, in there, and all, apparently they're talking about at least James and Jude, who we know were involved in the church and and wrote letters that were included in the canon of Scripture as the inspired Word of God. And so that's who Jude is. That's what's going on. Um, you know, the, the second Peter, we, we, under, you know, we know that to be written in 67 or 68 A.D., 68, 67, 67, 68 A.D., right around the time of um, his, his death uh, at the hands of Nero. Um, Jude's letter is harder to date. So it was either right around there, or it may have been as late as 80 A.D., um, but, but somewhere between, say, 67 and 80 A.D., Jude's letter was written, still dealing with all sorts of uh, false teachings in the church. It was a huge problem, like I said, it, as it is today. But for the first couple, through two or three hundred years, there was just rampant false teaching and, um, um, and correction going forward. Now, Jude's purpose in his letter... Uh, really two, two main things. He wants to expose false teachers that had infiltrated the Christian community, and he wants to encourage Christians to stand firm in the faith and fight for the truth. So his, his letter, um, he starts out saying, I want to encourage you, and then at the same time, but I got to warn you because this is a big mess that's going on, and you need to stay on top of it and be aware of it and deal with it and, and you know, make sure that you're, you're staying sharp in the process. Because false teachers have a way of um, sort of knowing what people kind of want to hear and just getting them enough that it takes them off the truth. Like I said, most false teaching um, has enough truth in it that it, it sounds right initially, and if you, but if you, don't, if you don't really look at it, you can get caught up in it very quickly. All right, so 25 verses in the book of Jude. And uh, let me read them to you. I'm reading out of the NIV. Whatever translation you have should be just fine. The notes are the NIV as well. Jude, beginning in verse 1. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called 
who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who changed the grace of our God into a license for immorality and denied Jesus Christ our only Savior and Lord. Though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their own home, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. In the very same way, these dreamers pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and slander celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Yet these men speak abusively against whatever they do not understand. And what things they do understand by instinct, like unreasoning animals, these are the very things that destroy them. Woe to them! They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. These men are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame, wandering stars, for whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied about these men. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts they have done in the ungodly way and of all the harsh words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These men are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. But dear friends... Remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own unly, ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So pretty powerful stuff there um, in this letter that Jude writes. Again, um, he's writing and, and he even says, you know, I wanted to sort of write a good encouraging letter about amazing salvation we have in Christ, but we've got to deal with this mess that's going on. And so um, that's what he is dealing with. I, I guess I, you know, James and... So Jesus... Um, 
Protestant viewpoint, our viewpoint on Jesus' brothers are that Mary had other sons um, that, that uh, weren't, you know, immaculate the way that Jesus was. And uh, these were, were sons that she most likely had with Joseph, and so they would be Jesus' half-brothers. They shared the, the same mom, but obviously not the same father. Now, that's the Protestant viewpoint of that. We believe that, all right? The, the Catholic Church would, would tell you, and some, um, some other um, places as well, um, they feel like uh, that, that these brothers might have been from Joseph somehow, but not from Mary. She had Jesus, and that was that, and that's the way it goes. So, uh, so you see a little viewpoint, a little difference in the church there, but we believe that Mary had other kids, and those were them. We listed the brothers anyway. So um, Jude's one of them, and uh, we discussed that. And in this letter, first few verses, uh, what, what, Jesus, what Jude is writing about, um, the, the sort of church word for it is apostasy. So you, you, if you hang around the church for any time, you'll hear that word, apostasy, the apostate church. Um, uh, it's, it's used in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, there's parts of the church that think that, that any church that um, is, is uh, different than they are, they label them as apostate. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're apostate. Uh, um, it, it, uh, you know, apostasy means people turning away from the truth and turning towards false teaching. So um, that's, the, that's apostasy. That's what takes place. And, and uh, Jude's writing this letter to warn people about doing that. Don't turn away from the truth that you know to be true and get turned towards this false teaching that's coming your way that wants to um, take things and, and twist them and lead us in a bad direction. So um, he writes about the importance of having a solid foundation there in those verses based on the Word of God. The Bible is the Word of God. Um, it shouldn't be twisted or manipulated or taken out of context. And in our intro, I spend a lot of time talking about, so this is why we look at it in context so we can see how it fits together. And, and again, let me encourage you, um, spend time reading the Bible. Make it a priority in your life. It it's, it's needs to be one of those things that you say, okay, I'm going to I'm going to continue to read this. I'm going to get into some sort of daily reading pattern. And, and, and let me t tell you, um, if, you need to read it. Uh, if you, I know sometimes we get kind of caught up, but uh, uh, believers should read the Bible. And you should have read all of the Bible. You, if you haven't read it all, you need to read it all. And then when you're done reading it, you should read it again. And when you're done reading it, you should read it again. And when you're done reading it, you should read it again. Um, that's, how we, that's really what we need to be doing. And, and so, you know, no, no, not putting any guilt or anything on anybody, but if you haven't read it, make a, make a decision and read it. Um, three, four chapters a day. We'll get you through it in, in a year easy. Uh, I have all sorts of reading plans on the website. I must have five or six up there. Um, um, and, and just find something that works. But read it. Say, I'm, you know what, I need to read it. I haven't read it. There's some places where I get stuck. There's some places in the Old Testament that are very hard to read. There's a lot of things that happen that are really difficult for us to deal with. It's sometimes extremely violent. Um, uh, it will make you um, question all sorts of things, and that's okay, but, but you should read it. I would encourage you to, to just make it a, a part of what you do. And uh, again, for that purpose, that you read it and you study it and you pray about it and you, you let it just kind of, you know, the Spirit of God um, open it to you and reveal things in the Scripture to you and you, you check it against the, this, you know, the sound doctrine of the church historical 
and you, you make sure it lines up, and, and uh, this is extremely important uh, in, the, in the process of our lives. So I want to encourage you. Again, it's, you know, it's, it's, as kindly and yet as strongly as I know how, you need to read the Bible. Um, you know, I'm, sometimes I think I'm probably talking to the choir. He's usually here during a midweek thing when we're doing a Bible study, and that's great, but I'm putting it out there anyway for, for people that may be watching or, or not. Spend time in the Word. Make it a part of your daily life. Needs to be a habit. Needs to just be something that you feel funny if you don't do. Because, oh, I, I need to go and read it. Um, and, and just make it a part of your life so that we can, we have a good solid core of information that we can test things against. And it's, that's an extremely important part. And so then it moves on from there in verse 5 and kind of that whole middle chunk really through verse 20 or so. Um, just as we just read in Peter, Jude is warning against false teachers and false teaching. One of the big problems the early church had was the false teaching called Gnosticism. Gnosticism. And the, the group of, of people that believed that, they were called Gnostics. And they didn't, in effect, what they didn't, they didn't believe in the incarnation of Christ, that, that he came in the flesh. They didn't believe any of that. And they didn't believe that um, believers really had to live holy lives based on biblical principles or, or ethics. They didn't think any of that really mattered. That um, they, they, they believed in the, the spiritual existence. And so what you did in the flesh didn't matter, didn't count. Um, so you could do basically whatever you wanted to do. And that was the teaching they were spreading. And um, it, it would catch hold with certain people because they were like getting some of the good promises and yet they could do whatever they wanted to do. We can do whatever we want to do. And that's a huge problem. And, and that's at the heart of sort of Gnosticism. And he gives some examples of guys like that in the scripture. Um, and he, he uses three guys, and I don't know if you know all their stories. I'm not going to spend too much time going into it. But he talks about Cain. Everybody knows about Cain, right? Cain murdered his brother Abel because he, he didn't like the comparison because Abel made a great sacrifice, to, you know, a great offering to God, and Cain didn't. And rather than repent and just get it right, Cain's just, he'll just kill his brother. Um, so that's not right, right? You get that that's a problem. So, because if your options are repent and do the right thing or kill your brother, <laughs> let's go with repent and do the right thing, okay? So, so he uses that. These guys that just want to do the right thing or do their own thing in, instead of, you know, doing the things that God would have them do. Then he talks about Balaam, um, who used God for selfish motives. And Balaam, if you, if you read the book of Numbers, you'll find out about Balaam. And um, he's the guy whose donkey talks to him. Um, because he's doing some stuff. And, and initially, if you read about Balaam, it looks like, because the, there's this king, Balak, who wants to hire him to curse Israel. Um, Balaam's not, uh, he's, a, he's a, not a, um, a, a Jewish prophet. Um, but he has some type of relationship with God. And, and, uh, and, and so the, the Balak knows that. He's an evil king. He says, I want you to curse Israel because they're coming at him um, to take his land. And uh, in, in part of the you know their journey, and uh, Balaam won't do it. He says, "No, I'm not going to do anything that, that God doesn't tell me to do." And the guy offers him money, and he doesn't take it. But later on, we find out that he was corrupted. Later on, he took some he took money and tried to profit off of God in other ways by encouraging people to do things that he shouldn't. So um, that's why he gets referenced a lot, Balaam, as uh, as a guy who really just would, would use God for profit. Um, if it profited him, he would. He would do it, and otherwise he did what he wanted to do. And then Korah, 
as talked about there. Uh, he also shows up in Numbers. And Korah um, had, was a Levite. And what Korah didn't like, it was him and, a, and another guy, I can't remember, another clan. They didn't like that Moses and Aaron were the top dogs. Um, and they said, you know, why are you any better than us? We don't think you should be who you are. And um, they grumbled against uh, Moses and Aaron to all the people um, and who were easily, you know, <laughs> taken off track anyway. Um, but they also complained about God in the process, and um, they, they don't end well, Korah. Uh, that's number 16. If you want to go and read it, God deals with them pretty significantly. But... Um, they, it was their whole attitude, you know, it was, they, they wanted uh, positions of authority that weren't theirs. They wanted uh, the sort of limelight, uh, if you will, and that's always an issue. That pride thing is an issue, um, uh, and really all, those stories sort of illustrate the, the things that most false teachers fall into. It's one of the ways you can pick them up. Pride, selfishness, jealousy, and greed. Usually those things happen. And, and, you know, there's sort of the, the fallout of and the warning signs of, of um, false teaching that's going on. It's not always, but, but usually that's in there somewhere. If you, can, if you can get back into sort of their life, and you can start to see that, that they don't always line up the way they should with the Scripture. And these attitudes were actually spilling over into the fellowship meal that the early church was having. Um... In the early church, when people got together to take communion, um, it's, it's far more like what happens here than, than what you normally think. So we sort of, the, and for convenience sake, the church has kind of reduced communion to um, a lot of times, you know, a little, a little thimble full of grape juice and a piece of cracker. Um, because that's it's kind of easier to get everybody through that. But in the early church, it was really all about people getting together and having a meal together. And then at the end of the meal, after everybody had fellowshiped and been encouraged and they'd, they'd loved on each other and they'd hung out a little bit, then they took communion. So um, uh, these, these false teachers were going into these meals and, and rather than encouraging others and praying for others and caring about others and loving others, you know, as um, shepherds should do, um, it was all about them. They would go in, they would feed, you know, eat all they wanted and drink all they wanted. They didn't care about anybody else or anything else. And they had totally missed the point of what was supposed to take place at this fellowship meal that happened during communion. Communion was a place for common union, a time when we gather together. And we, because we, you know, have a love for Christ and that love for one another, that should be taking place in our meals. So if you've ever wondered why we do so much food here, I really believe it's, that's far more early church than just about anything. They got together and did what we did. They got together and ate and hang out and had a few people sit around and talk and if there was a need it would come up and they'd pray for each other and, and they'd encourage each other and they'd, you know, um, because the, um, um, I don't know if you experience this or not, but sometimes, you know, it gets a little rough out there. <laughs> um, you know, you, you, you sort of get knocked around a little bit out in the world and it's nice to come in and and even though you know I mean certainly we're gonna it, it's not like it's always perfectly cohesive inside the church but but it's a place where we have hope you know the things that we agree on for the most part and we we come in to love one another and to encourage one another. we don't come in to judge point fingers criticize we come to um, pray for each other encourage one another certainly hold each other accountable I think that's an important thing that that happens at church um, and, and oftentimes, you know, when, when uh, one of the things that will sort of, sort of pops off as a little warning sign is if you start sort of moving in not good directions, you, have a, a, you may have a, 
a sort of tendency not to want to come and hang out at church a little bit and sort of defend that, oh, they'll just pick on me and judge me. But no, you know, people just, I, I really believe this, we want to love others well enough to keep them on track. And, and you know, we'll, we'll get a sense, I think, if something's not right, and, and then we can just never judge but encourage and love. And uh, that's what should be taking place when the church gets together. And it's certainly my hope that that happens. But, but um, at this point in time in the early church, they had moved away from... This, this amazing, intense fellowship that started, you know, in the early church that you read about in the book of Acts, where that's what they did. Man, they were together all the time, and they were just listening to the apostles, and they were studying, and they were together, and they were fellowshipping, and they were having these meals, and, and the church has continued to grow and flourish, and then these guys coming in with this garbage teaching where we're just exploiting all of that and taking advantage of people, and it wasn't about that for them at all, and it was starting to sort of tear away at the fabric of the church. And the church is it's always going to be bigger than that and deal with that, but, but um, we need to be aware of it and we need to watch those attitudes. And that's what, you know, that's what you look for. Pride, selfishness, jealousy, and greed um, are issues if something's not right with people. And, and, and those weren't the attitudes that typified the early church when they were gathering and doing the things that they, they should be doing. It was the exact opposite of those things. So, uh, so that happens. And then the last few verses... Um, Jude really sort of gives a compassionate plea um, about the reason that we're really all in this thing anyway, and that's to help people come to know Jesus because that's where life is found. That's where salvation is found, and this, this part of the, the mission that we have is life and death. And, um, and so as we've been talking about on the weekends, you know, how we live this thing out, um, and, and then the words that we speak, the, the gospel message... Um, it's so important that we have opportunities to share that with people so that um, people that don't yet know Jesus can connect with him and experience this life. And, and Jude just sort of says at the end, listen, you need to live this thing out so you can, you know, I, I like that verse, you can, you know, snatch people out of the fire. Um, you you want to grab those people that are in it and pull them out. And at the same time, he said, be careful that you, when you're living this thing sort of close, uh, you know, the warning is don't, don't get pulled into it. <laughs> when you try to get them out of the fire, don't get pulled into the fire. Make sure you're still pulling them out of what's happening and what's going on. But this is all a part of the life that we're called to. So that's Jude. Um, um, that's, a, that's a pretty good look at it. Uh, there's certainly obviously other stuff, but for today, that's, that's good. Um, I'd encourage you to read it again and think about it and pray about it. And uh, when we get back next, we're going to do, um, we'll start in First John chapter 1. First John, Second John, third great book, The Apostle. I love John's writings. Um, you know, he really softens up towards the end of his life. And uh, it's pretty cool to, to watch the transformation in him. So um, we'll get into that. The books are, all three books are just the big, big giant love letters. And uh, it's a very cool thing. So we'll get into that next. If you're watching on the video or on the websites or TV, thank you. We appreciate you doing that. We'd love for you to come and visit when you get a chance. But that'll be enough for today.